This is Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Hi, this is Patty Scalzo, and I would like to welcome you today to our Bible study broadcast from the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, is currently teaching an in-depth series entitled Heavenly Authority. So let's go right into the Sunday service and listen as Pastor Greg ministers the Word. Praise the Lord for His holy Word this morning. We resume the study in Heavenly Authority in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And just to review where we are, we're studying David. And last time we began the account of when David faced Goliath. And it's a very familiar account to us. We're looking at it this time to try to understand some things about heavenly authority, some characteristics, the nature of heavenly authority, what makes a good leader. And we saw with David how he was a peaceful, talented, gentle soul, how when he played that harp, he was anointed by the Spirit of God, and the demons would go out of Saul, who was tormented by the distressing spirit. And yet David is a courageous man of convictions, and we're going to see him here as a man of war, a warrior, even as a youth. We saw last time one of the first characteristics that makes him so suited for leadership was his dutifulness. He was a dutiful, respectful, obedient to authority. He was in Saul's court and he was obedient unto Saul even though he was anointed king by Samuel. He was obedient unto his father. He was humble and took on the responsibility in small things. He tended the sheep. He would leave Saul's court and go back to Bethlehem and help his father tend and feed the sheep. And when the father tells him to take for his brothers an ephah of grain and ten loaves and run to the brothers in the camp, and remember the battle lines are drawn up there, in the valley between the two, in the valley of Elah, you have on one side the Philistines who have come out again to invade Israel, and you have Saul with the troops and who comes down into their midst and for 40 days torments them and taunts them, but Goliath, this nine and a half foot giant, this Philistine decked out in huge armor, bronze solid armor, with a huge spear, the beam of which is like a weaver's beam with a 15 pound iron head on it. He has a shield bearer that goes before him he looks immense and he taunts the Israelites and says, come out, what man among you can come out and challenge me? If you beat me, we will be your servants. If I beat you, you, all you Israelites, will be our servants. And there's great fear and dread among the Israelites. And every time they start to gather themselves to go out and battle against the Philistines down that valley, out comes Goliath and fear comes over them and they retreat. And David, obeying his father, comes to bring the cheeses to the captains of their thousand and then to bring back news of how his three eldest brothers are faring there in the camp of the 
Israelites as they face the Philistines. So he listens to his father. He's obedient. He's dutiful. And remember the motive for coming out. It will be important in what we study in a few minutes. We saw that David has a vision of the living God and of his power. When he hears, when they tell him what's going on, and he sees Goliath come out and make this mockery. Have you seen this man who has come up? And David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the answer is, well, whoever kills him will get wealth from Saul. Saul will give his daughter in marriage. He'll exclude his father's house from paying any taxes. And David can't understand, given all that, and given that this man is defying the armies of God, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And David has a vision of God, and we spoke last time about the faith that he has in God, the hope that he has in God, that Goliath doesn't look so big to David. Goliath looks very big to the other Israelites, but he doesn't look so big to David because David's not looking at Goliath. David is looking at God. And God seems a lot bigger to David than Goliath. The living God. He says, you're, you're the armies of the living God. You're the people of the living God. And who is this man to defy you? He's just a man. He's a Philistine. He's a man. So David is respectful. David understands authority. David is humble. Yet David has zeal. He has a vision of the living God and his power, and he's zealous. There's a righteous indignation. There's an outrage he has here against evil. And we mentioned last time that that hungering for righteousness, that hungering and thirsting for the way of the Lord to prosper, for the people of the Lord to prosper, and a conviction for what's right, and to want to see that which is wrong stopped, also defines a good leader. Because there will be sacrifice then, as we see David, will then put himself forward, because of the overwhelming conviction that what is right, the way of God, must be done. Let's pick up in verse 28, where we left off last time, how Eliab, remember Eliab, the oldest brother, the one who, when he walked through the door, Samuel said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me, because he saw such great physical appearance and stature in Eliab. Eliab, verse 28, hearing David ask this question of each person there, trying to find the champion for Israel, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And we saw the accusations against when someone is doing what's right, how there will always be people to bring accusations, and how Eliab here is covering over his own fears, his own jealousy of his brother, because he's not doing what's right. He also is afraid of Goliath. And he also is afraid, and he's being shamed here. And it's easy to take when you're in sin, and you don't want to get out of it, and be angry at the person that's telling you what's right. To be angry at the minister. To be angry at the Baptist, as Herod had him beheaded. And here, Eliab, the older brother, 
who looked so good on the outside but inside was filled with fear, turns on his own younger brother. And we're going to start today with the response of David, verse 29. David said, what have I done now? What has he done wrong? Did he leave the little sheep? We read up above that not only does he take care of the sheep, but when the father tells him to go, he gets a keeper to watch the sheep. That's how good a shepherd David is. Did he come there out of pride and the insolence of his heart? No, he came there out of obedience to his father, who wants to know how his brothers are doing. So David answers, clearly he defends himself, what have I done now? And that word now is in the Hebrew. So this is not the first time that Eliab has treated his younger brother in this way and brought accusations against him. And very possibly seeing young David grow up and Eliab knowing what he should be and he's not has made him terribly jealous toward the brother and he seeks to berate him at every opportunity. And then David says, after he says, what have I done now? He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Even though David is respectful in all he's done and everything we've seen up to now, he does not hold back from answering his older brother. And the reason is in his question, is there not a cause? When there is a cause, when there is the way of the Lord that needs to be upheld, then we must be bold and speak out. And David does not shy away. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? I'm only doing what's right. There's a cause here. That word for cause in the Hebrew, dobar, means a word, a matter, what is said. When you read the biblical phrase in the Old Testament, the word of the Lord, the boar is that word for word. Is there not a cause? Is there not a word? Is there not the word, the way of the Lord? That's in jeopardy here. That's being challenged here. That's being defied here by this uncircumcised Philistine. There's a reason to ask this question. He's not doing it out of pride. He's not trying to stir up trouble. There's a reason for it. Is there not a cause? Is there not a word? In the NIV, it will say, can't I even speak? That's their interpretation of it, which could be possible also. And really, the brother is trying to do what? He's trying to stop him speaking the word of the Lord. He's trying to stop him from speaking God's word. He's trying to shut him up from doing what's right. So David will not allow the older brother to quiet him down. He will not be shut up. And the reason is, is there not a cause? Is there not a word? The word of the Lord, it compels David. We must speak it. If we are God's people, if we are anointed by the Lord, if a situation is wrong, we should be overwhelmed not to cause trouble, not out of pride, but for the Lord's sake to speak the truth, to be compelled to tell the word of the Lord. And there we have again another characteristic of leadership, to speak 
the word of the Lord, to desire to bring forth God's way to take up the cause of God. Is there not a cause to do that which is right? This giant has tormented Israel. Saul is paralyzed. The troops are paralyzed. It will end in their defeat if someone doesn't speak up and make Goliath, who looks very big, to take him and put him in proper perspective and say, no, he's really very small compared to God. Is there not a cause to take up the cause of the Lord? And I can ask you today, is there not a cause? It is always a source of joy to hear from our radio listeners. So if you have any comments on today's study, please send them along to us. Our address is Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B. Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Again, the address is P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, please join us for Sunday service. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane, just off Route 1. The exit is number 61 off I-95. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of A Remnant Shall Return, which in Hebrew is Shi'ar Jeshub.